0: Welcome back to the Kicking and Screaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Vanessa
1: Guerrero. I'm your other host, Elijah Taylor.
0: Uh, and I'm losing my mind over our guest today. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to her about movies for so long because it's pretty much the basis of our friendship. Actually, uh, as is tracks. when Sheether came out, we both immediately met at a diner because we had to talk about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's our, that is a real story, my friends. <laughs> yep. We both took buses that day to meet each other at a diner to talk about a Distract. Um, you know her from the Tights and Fights podcast. You've seen her uh, talking about everything that matters. In pop culture. She's been on El Ray's Top Five with me and is just one of my favorite people in the whole universe. Give it up for Danielle Radford. Hello,
2: thank you for having me. Yeah, I I think it's movies, uh, diss tracks,
0: and natural hair care. I think those are our
1: Uh, three. Oh, yeah.
0: That's actually how we met. I was on a bar, bar patio and I said, To someone else who, like, wasn't listening to me, Uh, I'm so sick of straightening my hair. I'm never doing anything to my hair like that ever again. And then Danielle just, like, appeared from around the corner and was just like, are you also going natural? Uh, And we've been (laughs) friends since.
2: (laughs) That's what I do. I eavesdrop creepily on conversations. And I'm tall, too, so I'm hulking and and (laughs) eavesdropping. Uh, and And then I swoop in with random information that I happen to know. (laughs) that's a
1: great way to to make friends
2: yeah (laughs) it's worked for me so far with my weird tall ass
1: the the old the old creep and lurk
2: yeah the old creep and lurk i'm telling you i i highly recommend it
0: highly i it's been so much of our friendship i think just like casually hearing something from the other one and then just like immediately being like all right so where are we gonna like meet and have pancakes and then talk about how important this is yeah um because whether it be like Movies or just like Nicki Minaj really, really getting hers that year. Um. <sighs> oh, she, really, she really, for
2: me, didn't recover. but Didn't recover. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. end. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: not, not like the end, but it was definitely like the end of that era. Yeah. Because uh, uh, then she went on to Queen and it was like, okay. Although Queen Radio, if we were able to get in person and talk would be something we would desperately need to talk about because Queen Radio is hilarious.
0: We need to talk about Queen Radio at some point. But today, I am so excited with what you've brought to the table. Um, (laughs) In general, I love any pick that anybody has because it's basically my friends giving me like 90 minutes to a couple hours of like joy that I wouldn't have like otherwise thought to pick for myself that day. Um, But you reintroduced... Truly, a happy little gem into my life. So, why did you tell us what you picked? Because you picked the martial arts pick this week.
2: I did, I did, because I mean, if, if, if anyone knows me, I horror is like not my genre, but uh, mm-hmm. people getting kicked up in the face—that is for Danielle Radford. <laughs> yes. So, uh, that that is that is my jam. So, uh, surprising, very few people. I picked what is depending on the week. Definitely in my top five movies, sometimes my top movie of literal all time. I wore it so often. I wore it out so often. I wore through the tape that my mom had.
1: Oh, I love that.
2: Uh, Friends, I bring you The Last Dragon.
0: Yes! I was so waiting for someone to and no one did and I needed a reason to watch it again.
2: I think they just waited for me. I think it was professional courtesy. They were like, Danielle's gonna be on here at some point. Why would yeah. we take that from her? I think now that I've done it, you'll probably get someone swooping in to do Mortal Kombat as well.
1: Oh, you know, that's true. Oh that's likely. Yeah, I actually I I know a future guest that we have planned who hasn't picked their movie yet. But I'm like 90% it was going to have been Last Dragon. And oh, I was like, really? oh, I, "Like, I wonder what they'll pivot to. And Mortal Kombat is actually a strong choice. Wait, <laughs>
2: like, look, it, it, they, They're they not the same movie, but they hit
0: you in the same place. I'll yeah, that. yeah. They
1: really. hit the same
0: happy buttons. And yeah. like five minutes into The Last Dragon, I was like, I'm so fucking happy Danielle <laughs> picked The Last <laughs> Dragon. Because I haven't seen it for like, God, y- probably like over a decade. Um, and there's so many elements More's that were pity. like... <laughs> just as amazing as I remembered and certain elements that I think I blacked out.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Sorry. I get like ravenous when I talk about this movie. It, I, I love this movie so much that it is the barometer for when I date. Like if I date you at some point, you will watch mm. this with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you have to love it, but I am saying that like if it becomes a thing where partway through, you're like, I can't watch this. I have to turn that off. We're not going to last long. Cause you're just not no. going to, you're not going to understand the things I love.
1: I kind of can't imagine like sitting down to watch like I I, you know I've met people who like haven't seen it aren't familiar whatever I can't imagine sitting down to watch it and not loving it or like. Or like actively disliking it because I feel like it's, it's just pure joy. It's, it's, like, it's just joy on screen from start to finish. Everything about it is.
2: I know. Right. One of my other movies is uh deep blue sea. That's another one. where <laughs> I've, had people, I've had people tap out and I'm like, I get that maybe a little more, but if you tap right. out during last dragon, I don't know, man, I don't think it's going to work.
1: Yeah. Like what makes you happy if, if not the last dragon
2: <laughs> what makes you happy is really at the crux of this. Um, there is so much about this movie that is perfect. It has uh, an ex and in this case an ex and exiled prince protege in Vanity. Yes. Um,
1: yep.
2: Who Wait, was plays, she, she is Was Lord she Cheryl. exiled?
1: Was she exiled? Basically. I don't know the I don't know the history with Prince. I remember oh, she was like a, like a like a prince protege. I didn't know that it like she, ended on bad terms. She was, was, was taken out after? of Purple
2: Rain. She was taken out of Purple yeah. Rain. Like, she was Apollonia in Purple Rain, except it was Vanity. Um, and so, ha- like, partially through the production, they broke up and they had to recast her. So even if you look at certain scenes, you will see where they have 80 yard Apollonia
0: over the word Vanity.
1: Oh, wow. Yep. I had no idea. Uh,
0: and I think That's shortly dirty. after that is when she started dating Nikki Six for a <laughs> uh, period so. of time. Yeah, yep. uh, <laughs> I was telling Elijah because the, like... The single most dorky fact about me, and there's a lot, but this is the number one, um, was in high school. I was so obsessed. Stop laughing. I was <laughs> so obsessed with Nikki Six that I bought his book and read it religiously, um, and it detailed his relationship with Vanity, and then I got it autographed and I cried. Uh,
2: <laughs> That's a, Which, I mean, that tracks with everything I know about you. That's not like a shocking fact, but I, it is – one of the most endearing things I've ever
1: heard. Right? No, and I I love that you chose to put yourself on blast for that. Like, I wasn't going to bring it up, but the fact that you just chose to volunteer this information makes me so happy. And uh, also for any, like, uh, first-time listeners or people unfamiliar with Vanessa, she was not in high school at a time that it made sense to be an enormous Nikki Sixx fan. she's
2: (laughs) very young. Um, I'm 28.
1: Nikki Six was not cool that year. I I think I think everyone was like listening to like My Chemical Romance, maybe, and you were like Nikki Six, baby. Gets me. That's my
0: guy. (laughs) But that's how I learned about Vanity, and then I went back and I found out about the Prince shit, and lost my mind. Oh wow! To me,
2: like the only part of that is crazy is that you associate her more with Nikki (laughs) Six than you do Prince because she is such a quintessential Prince protege. He wrote her a song about having jizz on her dress. Which is that one? Such a Pretty Mess on My Dress. Right. All right. <laughs> well, I, you have, I'll have to play it for you if you haven't heard it.
0: Yet for some reason, girls, say, girls, girls, okay. girls, like it's religion. That's, I have a problem. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I love that so much.
2: See, I love <laughs> these, like, little, as Joe Joestar calls them, they're, like, little puzzle pieces that make up a full <laughs> Vanessa Guerrero. And, like, that just filled in, like, a nice little puzzle piece for me.
0: Yep. That uh, Nikki Six for a brief oh, time was my I prince until Prince became my prince.
2: <laughs> oh, God, I love it. That's amazing. But yeah, so it's it's got her. It's got a guy named Ty Mock who only goes by one name. No one knew yes. who he was yet. So like just oh. the gall. It's uh, done the by...
1: audacity. <laughs> it's your fir- your first role, and you're like just one name.
2: <laughs> I'm just Ty Mock. That's who I am. Um, it, it's done by Barry friggin Gordy and Motown. Yes. So all of it is like Motown music. It's like half like it's so close to it wants to be a musical yes like, this movie I, wants to be a kung fu musical and someone and i mean it's still a classic so maybe they were right and someone at some point said no like it's already like this mysticism um like magical thing we can't also add in it being a musical but we'll get as close as we can um and it's I, uh-
1: beautiful I literally said this to Vanessa mm-hmm. when we were discussing, like, what to pair it with. I was like, maybe a horror musical because it's very nearly a musical. <laughs> like, it literally is as close as you can get without crossing that line. Where, Every like,
0: Lord Charles scene is a
2: music video. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, actual, like genuine. Like, I believe that that's where um, Feel the Beat of the Rhythm of the Night, the Elder Barge uh, video Premiered, I believe, was in that.
1: Really? Movie. Oh, they pulled. So. A, they pulled a like a the wizard, the Fred Savage movie, where uh, yep. the first the first footage of the new Mario game premiered in that really? movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: like, and the Power <laughs> Glove, first time yeah. both of those. Movies. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yep.
2: It's so bad. Um, it's
1: so bad.
2: <laughs> both both a quote from the movie and a description of the movie itself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that scene is incredible. Uh, it's amazing.
2: It's, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I just, I don't know. I don't have enough to say about Last Dragon. Uh, I will talk about it literally for three hours if you guys want to guide me and make this into actual something that's just me going like, and then this happened,
0: and then I went <laughs> these guys.
1: No, I mean, that's that's literally what the podcast is. Yeah, uh, But it also
0: gives us that energy, like The Last Dragon specifically, because it turns me into a 12-year-old, because it's so... It has all of the elements of the shows that I liked as a kid in terms of, like, Power Rangers corniness and, like, Saturday morning cartoon effects and, like, very, like, cartoony villains. Um, Although one thing I was telling Elijah that was immediately apparent to me um, that I think I blacked out is I remembered, uh, you know, Time Mac, uh, Leroy Green, Bruce Mm -hmm. Leroy uh, as being so... Much cooler in my head. He, and so much yes. more suave in my head.
2: Yes, honey. Yeah. Yeah. We all have that thing where we go. Well, because for a while, like, you thank God for streaming. For a while, like, you really had to go to a place that just still had it for rent. It wasn't one of those movies that people just had. Even like yeah. a big trouble in little China, like as a cult movie, people just had. But this was really like, you had to know me if you wanted to watch it. And I broke my tape, every single version of it I had. Um, so I went for years without watching it and missing it. And then with the advent of um, – with being able to – when Netflix became a thing back when it was like you would get discs, I would be able to then be able to watch it again because I believe it had come out on DVD even though it was like hard to find um and then with streaming you were able to find it and so i could just like watch my favorite movie again and yeah when you're a kid bruce leroy is so cool he catches bullets with his teeth he is hot as shit and then you watch the movie and you're like oh you're a dork ass (laughs) and that's and that's the point of the movie right no and i are a
1: fucking nerd Which I actually, like, uh, correctly remembered and and loved because I I think for me it was, like, an important part of the character because I was that kid who was way too into, like, obscure Hong Kong martial arts (laughs) movies and way too into, like you know, secret Kung Fu techniques and was like trying to talk to like other 12 year olds at school about like heroes of the East. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then there's this guy, he does Japanese martial arts, but then he has to fight this guy who does Chinese martial arts. And they're like, we don't, we don't like you.
0: you. Everyone's Richie calling you a nerd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And so like uh, this character in Last Dragon, I was like, yeah, that guy gets it.
2: (laughs) Can we (laughs) talk about how it's a travesty that Richie has not, was not the most famous person of his time? Yes, yeah. the actor that play, that kid had such good comic timing he was a little 30 year old in the body of like a, a you know a, a 12 year old he was so good and he was so funny and they go to look up his credits and it's just like nothing and it is a damn shame because he ran away with every scene that he was in he
1: is oh yeah literally the last dragon is an immensely cool film it radiates cool and he is too cool for this movie yeah <laughs> he is he is too cool for any film for
0: every scene that he's in with his leather fucking pants and his collar <laughs> shirt running around at the boom box calling vanity is woman like he has a clap back for every situation he's so goddamn funny like every single scene that he's in steals the show he's the nickname
2: guy he is the nickname guy in the movie and he is perfect at it for being a child yeah
0: he's He's so good amazing and like I love that you basically said that he was 30 because he does have like funny uncle energy at a very (laughs) young age yes yes like he has like that kind of rib for everyone, but like even his emotional moments are also the most believable moments. Yes. Like when he's like, "Get your hands off my woman," or like when he's like proud of his brother. Like all of those moments, he's the most believable actor in a sea of other actors that are so much more seasoned than that kid is. Yes. Like William H Macy is in this movie,
2: and this kid yes. kind of <laughs> <like> circle it's <directed. laughs> They're not in the same I- scene, but
1: i i really love uh there's a there's a scene uh sort of at the like denoma where he uh you know bruce leroy walks in and he's dressed real dorky and the music cuts out when he yells will you teach me some moves and everyone's like laughing and richie's like hey don't laugh that's my brother and he's the master And everyone's like, "Okay." (laughs) everyone's like, I guess he's the fucking master. I
2: don't know what that means, but if Richie's been clowning on this dude for the entire movie, so if he's the master, I guess he's the master. It's like none of them got to see him with fire hands. No,
1: but it's just like Richie says it and it's law.
0: I think that first dinner scene with his family um, where you get to like, because this whole time you've been seeing Leroy with like his master, who even his master is like, you need to tone it down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, can you please Um, calm down? You are
2: embarrassing us all.
0: Where he's just, like, in your head, I know, like, this is very, like, karate kid for you, but also, like, I'm just a guy that runs a dojo, you need to chill. Uh, and, like, you you, you see, like, Shona, who's an incredible character and who, like, is living in the same world as Leroy, but then you see him sit down with his family and you're like, oh, shit. This isn't, like, commonplace. His family is, like, the family of, like, specifically the family of, like, any nerd of color um, that's, like, trying very hard to understand what their child is into and, like, begging the siblings to be, like, just lay off of him. He's going through, like, a thing. Just
2: let him like his thing. Like, it's okay, baby. What were you saying about... That show about the balls of the dragons or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's a direct impression of my mom or anything. That's what my mom sounded like when I was a kid.
1: I got to say, I got to say, though, coming up in a, in a, like, mexican household dragon ball z was like everyone in the family (laughs) so like i was definitely the nerd in my family but dragon ball z like transcended the nerd barrier for a lot of mexican households
2: see my family i did come from a family of nerds but we're sci-fi nerds and like they like Uh, the last dragon because of karate stuff anime and like comic books is where they kind of get lost but my mom could talk to me Literally all day long about Babylon Five.
1: My parents can't. Oh wow! Okay. Oh yeah, damn. Dude. Oh yeah. See, and yeah, like yeah. that was that was where like I I kind of deviated was a lot of the like fantasy and sci fi stuff that my family was like that's they weird. Even,
2: like, <laughs> deep sci fi. My uh, uh uh my mom is like like she's one of the, you know how a lot of people be like um, I actually like the original Star Trek. No, you don't.
1: Some people <laughs> genuinely do,
2: but a lot of people say that. It's like, I guarantee you, you haven't sat through a whole season. My mom has, like, memori- like episodes memorized. Like, we own oh my God. Of collections of it. Like, we own Stargate. Like, my, I come from nerds. I come from a long, <laughs> proud nerd lineage. But again, it, it kind of, when it comes to, like, more of the, the like, superhero-y stuff was when I lost them. But I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. on board now. And yeah. Last Dragon was, like, that is one of the movies where my entire family will sit down and watch it whenever it's on. Oh,
1: it's so good. It it's just
2: us right in our black nerd
0: spot.
1: Mm. Also, can, can we talk about Shonuff? I the great, have to. For the, the greatest villain. Years. Yes.
0: I feel like Shonuff is the thing that people usually take away from Last Dragon. Like, if you say Last Dragon to someone and they watched it, the first thing that they quote is Shonuff.:
1: Oh, yeah. Because he is the He's coolest. the Shogun.
2: He's the Shogun of Harlem. The he Shogun like, of Harlem. He cosplayed his own Shogun outfit just with whatever yep. was around. Football gear Which, with, with football immediately cool. Uh, he he's into DIY. He knows how to upcycle. Um, he doesn't let this, so he doesn't let things go to waste. Um, Shogun is very cool. He has a very cool crew. They all look amazing. And I'm sorry, like Leroy, I love you. I get that you don't want to hit people, but they're right. You're a nerd who deserves to get hit in the face. <laughs> they're not
1: wrong. I mean, honestly, like it's it's that sort of thing where if you were a kid who was bullied to a certain extent, sometimes, I, me personally, I sometimes look back at uh, certain really, really difficult formative years of my life, and I'm like, ultimately, it did make me stronger. Like, it's terrible, and I never, like, want that for anyone else, but, like, I did come out of it, like, a little more resilient, and, like, a little more confident in a weird backwards way, and I feel like Leroy had, like, unnecessary level of bullying you know like he he was well into adulthood and he's he's Boy eating popcorn. like a rice farmer yeah he's like wearing the hat and, the, and he's eating popcorn with chopsticks he's and it's the like, only
2: person you can say no the black people can culturally appropriate like he's and so the only one where it's like not, with some of them i'm like no like i could see like maybe i can make an excuse but for leroy it's like oh no no no, no, no he, he was doing it up ooh you nerd Um, and he
1: got that just the right amount of bullying for like growth so that by the end it's like no this is where you should be like you've leveled out now (laughs) you you needed to get slapped around a little bit
2: because this movie is corny but it is equal (laughs) levels of corny and horny like, mm-hmm. this is... Mm, yeah. like, which, is one thing I love about Shonuf is Shonuf is, like, I don't care about that lady. I don't care about nothing but revenge. Like, this is one of those ones where it's, like, a lot of times when movies have two villains, it becomes too much. But I actually think that they wind up... um tying both of them in, in, in that it's both the, this is where I get all theater, all uh, movie nerd, but they tie them both in where it's like, you got the themes of him being accepted by his neighborhood. And then also the theme of Barry Gordy wanting to make money with music videos. And they mm-hmm. wind up actually um, combining both of them. Those songs get stuck in my head every day. Um, Dirty Boy, the, the, the song about the suitcase gets stuck in my head.
0: I wanted to talk about how Dirty Books is a fucking banger. Dirty Books <laughs> is a,
2: all of her songs are bangers. I'm sorry. I They're all good. Know, yeah. Uh, Dirty Books is a banger. Um, oh God, what was the other one? Test so Drive is a about- Yeah.
1: Test Drive. Yeah, yeah. Test
2: Drive is a banger. They're all bangers. I she love that squeaky
0: voiced I, maniac so much.
1: I really like the, uh, the film's like sort of theme song about the glow you know, that plays during the show enough fight. Oh, I it, know it. Yeah. I yeah. know
2: every, I know every, I know every song. Uh, it's, it's real sad, but yeah, no, like it's, it's, it's the classic, like they have, so they have these songs and aside from having the stuff that they're trying to like obviously promote um, mm-hmm. from Motown during an era when the Jacksons had kind of died off and they were really looking for something to to make them that money again, because like, I think it was after Michael had stopped being signed with them. Um, they, I, uh, And they went real big into DeBarge. Um, They they, they put all their chips on DeBarge. Um, Everything on, put put it all on beige. (laughs) (laughs) But so but that so, classic
1: Passenger 57 line, <laughs> always yeah, bet on beige. <laughs> always
2: bet on beige. But so they they also had like this, I, I, I think, and this is something I wish I'd researched more. It's like this one dude who makes these songs where they are the perfect man explains the plot of the movie mm-hmm. as the plot of the movie is happening in a smooth ass r baritone. <laughs> would have reached the final level. Like if you don't know what the movie yeah. is about, listen to the song, and it's literally telling you: Leroy wants to have magic powers. He believes that there is a level in which he could have magic powers. No one believes him; they think he's a dork. And then in the end, he gets magic fucking powers.
1: It's so good. I I I think that's like the eighties filmmaking trope that I miss the most is like the theme song that kicks in at the climax. It's like, here's what's happened up till now, and here's what's happening now, and we're psyched! And you're just like, yeah! That's (laughs) why I love Psycho Gorman. Oh, Psycho Gorman has that, yeah.
0: Psycho Gorman is a movie that we saw at Beyond Fest this year, uh, Stephen Kostansky, and it's very much like... A love letter to tokusatsu, but also like, uh, like family Saturday morning style TV shows. It's very like like power of love and friendship.
1: Yeah. And it's very like 80s adventure movie. Like, you know, kids, it's very like E.T., but like, uh, yeah, these kids meet an alien, but he's like an evil alien conqueror and he's, yeah, like super violent and they name him psycho Gorman.
0: And he's indebted to them. But there's like a lot of the soundtracks of just like, you know, find yourself like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Psycho Gourmet's excellent.
1: It uh I think goes wide release in January, uh like on VOD and streaming on Shudder, maybe. So it's an definitely. extremely
0: Danielle movie. Okay, because yeah, you know how I am yeah, like, Yeah, yeah, Thank hurrah. you for picking this one because this is like the perfect uh uh well done. Uh, thank you. Um which leads me actually to my next thing, which is um I really love the real world additions of, like, everyone knows who Bruce Lee is in this. Yes. Um, And all the reference to them, all the – I mean, all the reference to him, uh, all of, like, his master understanding, like, you know, he wants to be Bruce Lee. He's trying to be this person – that he isn't he has like this intense idol worship um but also the clips in which laura uses bruce lee <laughs> oh. to seduce leroy i would do that i, was, I
2: think i have done that i'm 90 percent sure that i've been trying to bang a <laughs> dude and i was like oh you like katamari look at this remix i found on spotify
1: <laughs> as as that scene was playing i was like god this would work on me so hard if it was like a first date and someone was like hey check out these bruce lee clips that i cut together with some music and i would multiple, i would be so
2: on multiple screens and there was yeah. vfx there was there was like lightning inside like the theater look so there was. Sick. Look, William H Macy, poor guy. Uh, he wound up having to be like, "Why? Why do we need so everything needs to be empty? And I need to cut together all of this video stuff for post production. When are we ever going to use any of this? Why? Wh- why is there suddenly thunder? How come this is just a bunch of scenes of Bruce Lee making out? And Florence Charles has to be like, "Don't worry about it. It's it's all covered in the budget." <laughs> it's okay you guys will get paid overtime <laughs> <laughs> i just yeah, need like, it don't ask did, questions
1: did they ever use that footage on her show like was it, no, it was they,
0: just yeah. for fucking it was just for fucking it was just for fucking <laughs> Which,
1: she had it ready so was it like after they met that first night and he saved her she like was like yo i gotta put together something for this dude or did she just have that in her back pocket No, just like that's her move.
2: I believe that she said she had her team put it together. As soon as she met this dude, she was like, who wants overtime? Like, (laughs) we have a rush thing that needs to be done. Can someone please get in here and edit this for multiple screens and multiple viewing experiences in our theater and be able to add presets for lighting and sound in the theater."
1: god (laughs) imagine
2: date on saturday
1: (laughs) imagine the level of success and and influence that you can just make a phone call and be like give me a really high production bruce lee fan cam (laughs) and i need it by (laughs) the weekend that
0: was such a fan cam holy (laughs) shit and like dork moment but I truly think that was so much more necessary than just to like seduce Leroy in terms of like a viewer sense, because if you haven't watched a single Bruce Lee movie here, you have this character yeah. that's like obsessing over him the entire time. Who's like, I'm I'm like shaping my life after him. People are literally nicknaming after him. So if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, all of those clips are such a great service to like. This is what Leroy bases his fight style after because Leroy's fight style is very oh, Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah. He yes. has like those like frozen after like hit moments that like, yeah. you know, are very like Bruce Lee like posing.
1: He does a lot of the quick backhand with the little leg. <laughs> the and backward like, hand, like the, the backwards
0: door kick. And yes. then of
1: course, the iconic like stomp, you know, and, like yep, the off screen. Of yeah, yeah. The little. Woo-ah.
0: And like in those moments, you're like, uh, if you like don't know who he is or you haven't seen it in a while, you're like, all right, that's just Leroy hamming it up. Having that comparison really, like, brings to mind how much this man has shaped his fight style to be Bruce. I just threw the soup on the ground. Yeah, you know why? (laughs) Because it was that important of a point. It was that important of
2: a point that I just fucking brought my fist down.
1: Recording done. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Boo. Yeah, no, that's exactly, like, that's exactly perfect. Like, it gives you that moment where it's... It does two things. Like that's the thing is like a lot of people like they talk about, but like the movie services so many different things. And if you look at it, and this is I'll I'll talk about it when we get into the other movie and and the ways in which um I find that they relate to each other kind of perfectly. But like this movie knows what it is. Every time someone's like, oh, it's a bad movie, or it's this, or it's that. It's like no, it's a movie that depends on your ability to recognize. Um, tropes when they are both used blatantly and in when they're being inverted. Like that is what ultimately last dragon is a celebration of how much a black people really got into martial arts and really connected with Mm -hmm. martial arts, especially like, you know, Bruce Lee in the seventies and the eighties, we fucking love that stuff. And B it is a celebration of martial arts movies through again, taking these tropes and either, um just ironically, just doing them fully or subverting them and inverting them. And like mm-hmm. that is what Last Dragon is. It is a celebration of the martial arts movie and also a celebration of Motown and all of the wonderful artists that come from within <laughs> that, those, hollowed, those hollowed grounds in the 80s.
1: I do love that, like, at the end, when it is doing kind of like the freeze frame with credits, uh, the first one that comes up is, like, executive producer Barry Gordy. <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> before, like before literally any other credit. It's not the stars. It's not the director. It's not the writer. It's like, we need you to know. That.
0: Even, like, every time you saw Last Dragon pop up on the screen in the beginning, it was like, Barry Gordy is Last Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, good. And I
2: believe that, that, I mean, I believe the full title of it is Barry Barry Gordy presents the last dragon or something like that. I do believe that which is hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny.
1: I feel like the, uh, you talking about it being just like a really, uh, genuine, you know, despite all of the like camp and the self-awareness and, you know, kind of like subversion of these tropes, uh, it is a, a really genuine and kind of like earnest celebration of martial arts films and a lot of, uh, like the pop culture aspects of martial arts. Uh, there, there are like a few elements that uh, I think I I kind of only caught on this watch, uh, specifically like Shonuff calling himself the Shogun of Harlem. Yes. And like he's got the little like Japanese flag on his yes. on his like wraparound shades and the big, you know, like uh, ridiculous like Shogun armor that he builds. I, I I think like when I was younger watching it, Uh, if anything, I was just kind of like, ah, but that's, that's not Kung Fu. Like that's Japanese. They just, they didn't realize, (laughs) you know? Uh, and it felt more like a, like a nitpick for me. That's like, oh, they didn't get it. But like watching it now, I'm like, no, I, I think that's intentional because that feels very referential to like a lot of like Shaw brothers and like mainland Chinese and Hong Kong films from back in the day. That was very like chinese martial arts versus japanese martial yes, arts are yep. like you know like our our martial arts are very like traditional views against these like harder styles that are coming in and like yeah like heroes of the east which i referenced earlier is you know all like kung fu versus japanese disciplines and i actually like i i need to look a little more closely at the choreography but i i feel like uh Shonuf is doing this kind of like harder style that feels a little more like a, like a karate, you know, yeah. it feels more like he's doing like a Japanese like style. And obviously like Taimok doing the like Bruce Lee Jeet Kundo kind of, mm-hmm. kind of choreography.
2: Speaking of choreography, I feel like we absolutely have to mention the fact that Ernie Reyes Jr. as a tiny, tiny baby is in this movie.
1: Wait, is Ernie and Reyes his, Jr.
2: Yes, he is. And, he no! does, and he's also credited as fight choreography. If you look in the credits. That is Ernie Reyes Jr. He did his own fight choreography. And in fact, he did fight choreography for a lot of the other people there. I think he's like 10 there.
1: I did 10. not. I did not realize that was Ernie. Yes, oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So, he just broke a <laughs> Isn't it the
2: best thing you've ever heard
1: in your life? That's incredible. I didn't know. So because there it's a like... child,
2: there's a child character who was also very sassy, Who is younger than the brother. I would place him at probably somewhere around 10, 8-ish, mm-hmm. 10-ish. Um, and he is the best fighter in the movie. They, yeah. they show him off as the best fighter in the oh, movie. He's great. They show him taking on five or six dudes four times his size and beating the shit out of them. And that little baby is a very young Ernie Reyes Jr. And I believe his first movie credit, and yes, he is also credited with fight choreography because not only did he do his own, but I believe he also did all of his own scenes where he put together the fight choreography between him and a lot of like the fighter's and I know Elijah I love your face right now uh, that's
1: that's blowing my mind I'm like you gotta I'm go such... rewatch it
2: now you I do yeah no just...
1: immediately I'm like such a fan and it's always like it always breaks my heart that he doesn't have enough like iconic roles because he like he had the charisma he had the skill like he's he's fucking fantastic and he I feel like just it's like
2: Asian at the wrong fucking time and it's a exactly bum- exactly it's a, it's such yeah a bummer and if he he's, was a white kid. He would have been or even like someone a little more white passing, like a Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. He would have been king of the fucking universe.
1: Absolutely. No, he's so fucking charming. He's so good. And he like he ended up in that kind of like direct to video space, you yeah. know, following like turtles. You know, he just like uh, he's he's done he some stuff. Again. Yeah. But like, I yeah, I always wish that he had had more iconic roles. And I didn't realize I was sleeping on one this whole time.
0: That's so good. for those listening at home that might be coming in for the horror and, like, learn a bit about martial arts. Who is Ernie Reyes Jr.?
1: Oh, I was I was waiting for Daniel no, to take it, <laughs> it. <Well,
2: laughs> out. No. no, no, no. You are so excited. I want this for
1: you. <laughs> no. uh, so he was... Uh, he was the... The plucky young martial arts pizza delivery kid in, in <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was the yeah, heart and, Secret and, of the and Ouz, yep. yeah, Secret of the Ooze, Turtles too. He was the the heart and soul of that film, and yeah. the the reason I will always prefer two to the first film. They're both heart great.
0: Save. Yeah,
1: but no, he's uh his his name is uh what's his character's name Kino? K- what is what is the character's name? I think Kino. I Can't
0: remember for the life of me. And uh, I realize it, I've never remembered other than a turtle. Right. The name of a turtle Hold in on, a turtle's I film. I will look this
2: up because I want you to gush more about Ray okay. Reyes Jr.
1: Yeah, so he he shows up in that movie, and it's it's a a film full of fucking humanoid turtles and a giant rat and and shredder in his ridiculous spiky armor you have toka and razar these huge you know prosthetic suit practical effects creatures and somehow he is like the most uh, like commanding presence in that film he is Mm. so like so charismatic so fun and i feel like i as a kid watching kino yes Uh, Which I remembered because when I was a kid, there was a pizza place uh, near our house called Papa Kino's Pizza. And I liked to pretend that it was like the character from Ninja Turtles grew up and opened his own pizza place. (laughs) So I would always like demand that we get Papa Kino's Pizza. Um,
2: Okay, weird sidebar. If you ever, when the world comes back, if you are ever in Seattle, there is a place that is owned by, I can't remember his name right now. He was the bad young man in... um, Karate Kid 2, um, he owns a Hawaiian barbecue joint that has the best, has my favorite karaoke in all of Seattle. Oh, wow. Um, so when that comes back, he was like, I, God, I can't remember his name in that, but he was the, the, that fine ass like bad kid. That was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Bad, um, <laughs> <laughs> real bad. If you get my
1: joke yeah,
2: he owns um, a, a, a badass Hawaiian barbecue place in in uh, in Seattle where they also have my favorite karaoke. So, and he will come and do karaoke, and he'll he has figures of himself up. He'll sign autographs. He's like amazing. So, just sorry, like a side note about uh, no, amazing martial art people who also own I restaurants. have restaurants.
1: <laughs> that's rad. Uh, and we're definitely gonna come visit and go do that karaoke. Uh, but no, just Ernie Reyes Jr., I feel like if you were a very specific type of nerd in the 90s, that was who you wanted to be when you grew up.
2: <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, no, he's, absolutely.
1: He's this this badass, like, yeah, martial artist and also wisecracking pizza delivery kid who just, like, kind of outshines the fucking Ninja Turtles. It's like you have Michelangelo next to him, and it's like, yeah, but Kino is the real party, dude. <laughs> and his like, comedic, he, again, another one with
2: just, like, stupid comedic timing timing yes. as a kid and you can see it in the last dragon like when he's joking around with one of the ways they invert tropes is um one of uh the other people um one of bruce leroy's best friends um is johnny a, johnny again a dude i can't believe wasn't more famous because johnny was yeah so fucking hot and funny
1: he, he was, was so, johnny so cute is great. he
2: was Jesus so fucking Christ, cute Johnny was fucking hot um and so funny and so charismatic and should have been famous but again Asian at the wrong time because Mm -hmm. racism. Um, But so, their scenes together, because they have a lot of scenes together, Johnny and the kid, the way that they are bouncing jokes and wisecracks Mm -hmm. and insults off of each other is something to watch, especially considering how young Ernie Reyes Jr. is at that time.
0: And he has to like habitually save Johnny's life because
2: uh, <laughs> Johnny can't because Johnny can't do martial arts. Yeah. all Which, Johnny can uh, do is talk shit and that's one of the ways that they like thought it was funny to invert the tropes and they do that very often with race stuff too where they'll have people like you know obviously they've got um, they've got time and then they will have like a group of
0: like beatboxing like Asian b-boys you know yeah yeah Oh, yeah, which is maybe my favorite uh, detail in the movie, which is um, uh Leroy, is, like, trying to find someone that'll, like, help him achieve the glow. He's and so corny. His, he's so fucking corny. And his master, like, gives him a medal that was, like, Bruce Lee's, and he, like, treasures this more than anything. Like, Laura saves it for him, and he's, like, all about the medal and not the fact that Laura, like, clearly wants to rub up on him. So and funny. he's, like, hunting down this master and his... <laughs> master says this person's name is some dumb goy which is killing me Uh, (laughs) which is um, murder it's such a good pun it's it's such a goddamn good pun uh and so he's like looking for some dumb goy and like the asia beatboxers are like keeping him uh out of the warehouse and what it is eventually revealed is master some dumb goy is literally a fucking fortune cookie machine. It's a computer
1: uh. <laughs> that generates fortune cookies. Yeah,
2: because they know that like, because again, it's like there, there's that edis, that that acknowledgement of uh, Asian fetishization, which the movie mm-hmm. both indulges in and also is a commentary on. It's not just fucking Bruce right? you guys. I swear, I promise. But it does both of these things. And so that's part of it is them being like, oh, you think there's like some wise master? It's just a fucking fortune cookie machine because that's what the white people want.
1: Yeah, yeah. and they're like, we-, we we thought if we created this fictional master, people would buy more fortune cookies and it worked.
2: And it and, worked when really like all they want to do is sit around with their boombox and listen to run DMC. There's,
1: <laughs> there's also like a such a, like there, there's so many layers of things happening, but in that first uh, encounter where he's wearing his like uh, big kind of like sun hat that you would wear, like working in a rice field, he's like wearing that and his like Chinese, like silken Kung Fu outfit. Uh, and he's talking to them and they're like who is this corny dude that won't leave us alone and they keep telling him to go away one of them takes the like very like <laughs> traditional Chinese hat and says let me put it in terms that you can understand and puts it on and does like an exaggerated like caricature voice yeah but like it's a, a Chinese man to a black dude who is in like the ridiculous like appropriated Chinese outfit and they're like oh let me like make it kung fu for you <laughs> and I'm yeah, like what yeah.
2: all of these moments and then this is the 80s and they're making the commentary on this where they're like these dudes are like, this guy is so corny because he's coming to us and assuming that all Asian people, I'm sorry, what? Know the secret to martial arts? You yeah. dummy. And so they're just sitting there mocking him. And as a kid, of course, you feel bad for him. And then you go back and you're like, you kind of deserved it, bud. Yeah. Not all Asian people. Like, eh, yeah, eh, you kind of earned it. It's- you kind of earned that bully,
0: So much more self aware than we even attach to in memory. Like on rewatch, it is the kind of self aware that movies now that want to do that commentary have a hard time juggling.
2: Right. And and it does manage to do that while still being like
0: incredibly fucking enjoyable. Yeah. Cause like once the glow moment does happen, it's corny as hell, but also you're like, Leroy's fucking glowing. (laughs) Leroy got
2: the
1: fucking glow. Also, something about the like the glow, the like sort of rotoscoped in because like in the in the final fight with Shonuf, you find out that Shonuf has the glow. He's achieved it before Leroy and Leroy like has a kind of foreshadowing line earlier where he's like, if an evil person tapped into this power, you know, if it fell into the wrong hands and you find out like, oh, man, Shonuf really is the baddest. Like he has the glow and it's bright red and he's, you know, very powerful and evil. But like once he starts using it and then Leroy like gets a more, you know, uh, positive and heroic version of the glow on his whole body. But it has these rotoscoped in effects of like <laughs> s- like sparks and lightning every time they hit each other. And weirdly, I feel like in the past I would like watch those scenes and be like, yeah, yeah like, you know, it's, it's very cheesy and fun and 80s. Something about, like, my, uh, I, I don't know, like, the visual language of, like, rotoscope effects in in 2020 now, watching it again, I'm like, this is actually rad as fuck. Like,
2: it looks so cool. It, it, again, it, it's the kind of thing that we're trying to do now with stuff.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and it, like, genuinely, like, sells the hits in this way where, like, every punch now looks so powerful. And it's this weird, like, if you remove the music videos from The Last Dragon, it's basically a live-action anime you yes. know, you have like you have these Extremely. two martial arts gangs that are both Fighting trying to their like
2: neighborhood in the soul of their neighborhood. Yeah.
1: And they both like have this mystical power that no one else can access. But like the those effects are legitimately really good,
2: <laughs> especially when you I mean, because it's one of those things where it's like when 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 some movies um, when they put them on the streaming and they put them in that HD, uh, it's not it's a tragedy and it's real bad. But with this one, when they do it, it's like, oh, this like looks really fucking good. This because yeah. aged it was done. beautifully. It aged really well, And even the stuff where it's like, even the things that are, that come off and they're like, ah, I don't know if that would work normally in a movie. You'd be like, I don't think that would work in like the now because of the context they put it in. It's like, Oh no, this is a commentary. Like yeah. comment, like, and even now in some cases it might be like, well, just cause you're commenting. <laughs> I mean, you can do it um, because ironic racism is still racism unless you right. explain mm-hmm. it and do it. But like they actually do the work. That's why I'm like every time people because when I tell people I love the movie, everyone's like, oh, it's corny. And that's why Danielle loves it. Yes, it's corny. And that's why Danielle loves it. But it's actually genuinely a good movie.
0: It's it a genuinely really good movie, and, like, it does that thing when someone is such a big fan of something that you could still see it, like, shining through because they, like, know so many of the details. Like, um, something that started happening to me with this podcast um, – because, like, again, I came in – we both love horror, but, like, I, I didn't really know as much about, like, martial arts movies – Um is I'm starting to, like, get other references by martial arts dorks. So <laughs> Wu-Tang hits different now. Oh, uh, Wu-Tang yes. hits so different now, don't it? Wu-Tang hits real different now where I'm like, oh, I understand that reference. And so, like, it's it's my, like, writing or cleaning or, like, I just want to, like, dance in the kitchen playlist. Um, and there are so many references where I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, like, deeply, deeply into this shit. Or I'll, like, have my headphones on and yell, like, oh, I get it, Pai me! And then Elijah will get startled. Um... <laughs> But, like, there's a lot of that in this movie and specifically in the ending scene in which everyone that is in the club is all wearing, like, light white fabric. Yep. Um, and that is such a what I now know to be, like, the ending of a kung fu movie. The hero now wears all white. And, like, it was it was such a moment where I was like, I felt like Captain America where it's like, I got that one. I, got that one. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs>
1: And, no, some of yeah, some of the like references and like reverence that it has, I like I is is so endearing. Like we talked a bit about like the the choreography of like imitating the most like kind of iconic Bruce Lee moments, but also straight up just showing uh like when he goes to the theater and is watching uh you know watching a Bruce Lee film, and it's the the really iconic uh moment where Bruce Lee uh sidekicks Bob Wall. And kicks him so hard that uh famously the the extra whose job was to like catch Bob Wall, there's like a ring of people around the outside, Bob Wall hit him with such force, like having been sent from that kick, that it broke his arm when he caught him. It's like like a, a, oh, a, a famous yeah, it's like one of my one of my favorite uh when I was like uh seventeen, I had a shitty little film blog that I ran for like a year that I was like, I'm gonna be a film writer. What was it called? Um, it was called For Real, though, but it was spelled R-E-E-L, like a um, film reel. <laughs> and look,
2: that's one, of the best, that's one of the best versions of The Real that I've heard. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> look, we, all, we all wrote or had a blog that had The Real pun in it. Of that course. That is one of the best ones I've heard.
1: Thank you. Okay. Be and proud. Th- th- thank you. The name was actually specifically because uh, my partner at the time, I was, like, asking them, like, what should I name this? And they are like, I don't know, anything that's not, like, a stupid pun. Everyone always does some stupid, like, real talk kind of pun and I was like yeah that's what I'm gonna do, <laughs> gonna do it right <laughs> um,
2: and that's but, uh, when you knew the relationship was over
1: m- yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no I uh I, one of the like things that I wrote for this blog at 17 was uh like the top five kicks in cinema history and I had that ranked as number one and so I like have always been such a fan of that and I love like any movie that just like takes a break in the middle of its own film to be like yo do you remember when bruce lee kicked bob Wall so hard that it broke a dude's arm <laughs> i'm just like yes give me that yes.
2: like at least the member berries in this move the plot forward it's not just
0: like indulging
2: you
1: know yeah yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's so much smarter than we give it credit for, and that's why I'm so goddamn thankful you gave us a reason to watch The Last Dragon again. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm making someone watch it again later with me today. Um, that's how much I love this movie. <laughs> Hell yes! And like, it actually like set down quite a task for us when it came to like picking a horror movie to pair it with, um, because there are so many elements you can jump on. Elijah and I actually had like quite a lengthy debate over trying to figure out what we were going. To pick for it because like as soon as you said last dragon i was like all right uh there's like maybe music stuff that we can jump off of effect stuff we can jump off of era or area we were thinking maybe like new york but we already did a mm-hmm. new york double feature and initially i had pitched a movie uh based on like the idea of like hero worship and trying to be someone which was tragedy girls which is a movie that i love because it's also really self-aware mm-hmm. um And Elijah had a more inspired choice, so he came up with the pairing this week. So, Elijah, why don't you tell us what you picked to pair with The Last Dragon?
1: My horror pick uh, for The Last Dragon is... Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah,
2: it's a great pick um again Ah. speaking of not only the hero worship which we'll get into because there's definitely like that element Mm -hmm. of it the fact that both of these are predicated so hard on the tropes of the genre that they're in and whereas with the last dragon is definitely like they're both celebrations of that whereas like uh, uh the horror movie just like flat out tells us how to write a horror movie like it just yeah, like yeah. this, do you want to write a horror movie? Here are all the things, but they do it in a way where they personify it. So it isn't just like a boring breakdown. It feels like it's, it feels like it's, uh, I feel like that movie took a chair, turned it backwards, sat and looked at me and said, you ever thought about doing a horror movie? And then like a <laughs> bunch of cool people did a play in the back about how horror <laughs> movies work. Like we're going to rap at you about how this horror movie business goes, but no, it, it, it like it, it, Cause I enjoy it. Cause again, I don't, you know, me, me and the horror is eh, not my, they're not my favorite. Uh, I don't like me a jump skirt, but this, um, because of the, like the characterization and, and, and this has really true like character development in this. Um, if you know tropes, you see what's happening a mile away. But like, to me, that doesn't, that doesn't bug me the way that it adds to tension. Like, yeah, that's the intention. That is the point of it. It's literally yeah. telling you everything. It expects you to get it at the end.
1: Right, Absolutely. and I, I almost feel like uh, because you know the the first time watching it, I was like, you know, you you clock very early, kind of like where it's going to go, and it's like, oh well, yeah, it's like inevitable that this is what's going to happen, so that there are not necessarily any like surprises in the film, but I yeah similarly was not like mad about it because i remember the first time i was watching it i was like oh i guess you know so much of this is like subversive and like assumes that you're so aware of like what slasher films are that i maybe expected there to be you know something like some kind of twist but then i started thinking about like okay what would that look like and i'm like no like any twist version of it would kind of be inferior because like it would cheat right it yeah it has to follow the rules that it sets, you yeah, know, because like, it
0: knows what it is and it knows what it's talking. And like I've talked to Elijah about this, but like out of all horror genre things um you know when you look into like j-horror or hauntings or anything like that it's not necessarily the one that like scares me the most but the one that like has my heart the most and has been the one that i've put like stupid amounts of research into like i have a pile of textbooks that are like highlighted to shit um and just dog-eared beyond belief are slashers um i i have so much like genuine affection for slashers and like i think the formula is important because a lot of the times, um, being told that something is going to happen to you mm. makes it more scary because the whole yes. time you're expecting it. Um, it's it's not even so much surprise; it's being told this is going to happen, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's a whole um, song about
2: it. Anticipation—it's making yeah. you wait. Anticipation, like look. It's the the smart doctors when you're getting a shot when you're a kid, they tell you to count to three and then they stick you at one. You know what I mean? Because they know that waiting in that anticipation actually makes it a million times worse than if you just get it over with. And that is like such – that is a tool that slashers have in their toolbox to just be like, oh – we know you're waiting on that jump scare. Is it not? That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Is this that jump scare? That's not that jump scare. You don't need that jump scare. And so <laughs> they, they're they able to play on that because you go into the theater being like, I am going to get my world rocked mm-hmm. and it automatically sets you on edge and like everything, things that ordinarily would not set you off, they can put that in. They can put a cat walking into a background, which means nothing unless you're looking for something and you're waiting for that thing to come scare you. And then that cat Mm -hmm. becomes everything. My cat, I'm, I have cats that don't, they hide. And one of them (laughs) just put their tail out. So I, that was also based on real life.
1: (laughs) No. And I, I love that, uh, behind the mask, like it does, you know, it's it is intentionally subverting like all of these like kind of slasher tropes for the first two acts And I love that it takes all of these moments of like, oh, I saw like a a shadow in the background and then like a door slammed shut. And, you know, very much so like, oh, a cat ran by and it's, you know, in another horror movie it would be this uh, moment of like, Tension, or like uh, you know, you're tense the whole time, and then something suddenly happens, and it's a jump scare. But the movie stops and says, like, "So we're gonna create this jump scare. Yep. Here's wh- here's how we're gonna do it. This
0: is called a flyby. This is what you do to like start get her
2: thinking about you. This is a red herring, and this is why we're doing this. But again, it, it's done in the framing of. It, it accomplishes two things at once. It's not just that the movie is telling you how to make a horror movie. It's also telling you how to make a horror in the mind of someone. So when they say something like, this is how you create a red herring, it isn't in the way of like, well, this is what we're doing because this is what this does for the viewer. It also goes into like, well, psychologically, this is what it would do for your heroine. Like this right. is what, I, the, the, this is the feeling that we are trying to create for this person. Um, and that's really interesting because um and, and it and again it's not described because if it was described like that very like nod nod wink wink scream way, we've already seen it.
1: But right, they right. make
2: sure and they actually take great pains um to make sure it is as described in the in the filter of I am genuinely a person who was going to kill this person, and I want to do this thing because it gets me off. Like nothing gets me off. Um, I mean, they don't say that, but What
0: yeah. else
1: is
2: the fucking point? Right?
0: Everyone's reactions to it are very like they get breathy, and they like we know, we know, Which, we know what that does for you. Why I, else would you do it?
1: I, I realize also uh, for the for the listeners who have not seen Behind the Mask, uh, Rise of Wesley Vernon, uh, we've not explained what the film is about at all. <laughs> we should do that.
0: Uh, I mean, just yeah, it's a little we've we've i feel i feel like it could be gleaned but um basically what uh rise of the mask is is this is a documentary that takes place in the universe where like michael jason freddie they're all real people they're murders that happen the way we talk about like ed Gein or jeffrey dahmer um and another car- another case that might be like you know, your new icon, your new, uh, killer is popping up in this town and that's Leslie Vernon and this documentarian actually managed to like get him to agree to let them follow him around and figure out like what his techniques are. Um, and so you have this film crew that's like a very like Blair Witch style crew too. Yes. Of like a woman and two dudes that are like following her to the ends of the earth. Um, like, uh, listening to this guy talk about, like, the importance of, like, creating a character and, like, uh, like symbolism. And they interview him as he, like, talks about how he picks a target and, like, picks a group of friends in, like, a very, like, breakdown slashier, slasher way. But the movie does this great thing in terms of, like, cues that it gives you to where anytime something is from the victim's perspective, it just switched to movie. Yep. Like, it goes from documentary to, like, this is just, like, a lit and shot. Like, you don't have, like, the handheld anymore. Uh, Like, it's just a static-ass movie. Um, Which does a really good job of, like, shifting tension between, like, I am... I'm in on it with the killer to like, I am now seeing what the victim sees. Yeah. And the killer which is, is hot,
2: which is a way that they endear you to him. He's very much yeah. Joe from you. He is Joe from yep. you. Yes! If Joe from you was being followed around by murderinos, like that is what this movie
1: is. <laughs> well, and I, I love it because they do like, they write him in a way where he's consistently like sort of charming and charismatic, mm-hmm. but he also is fucking weird. Like he has these like, sort yes. of like, like antisocial behavior moments that remind you like he's gonna murder a bunch of people like this is you know it's it's a very like fun thing where you're like chumming around and making these plans and you like jump out and scare everyone and it's like oh that was so fun and exhilarating but then every now and then there's a beat that's like yeah he's gonna murder a bunch of teenagers yeah, <laughs> like he's he,
2: super gonna murder people like that's the goal
1: yeah he like is showing them his like pet turtles and he's just like yeah like you know i I leave them without food for days at a time little bastards just won't die and like is like talking to them and it's just like oh they just stay alive no matter what i do i only get
2: pets i can eat yeah
1: i only keep pets i can eat and then walks away and you're just like okay but
2: but he's a but he's a tall brunette white man um Mm -hmm. and what do i mean which is obviously part of the point is that they what, what they're trying to explore is they choose someone who is attractive and conventionally attractive. And then when mm-hmm. he becomes a killer, um, not only does he wear a mask that, that kind of masks his attractiveness, then when he takes it off, he's also wearing makeup that masks his unattractive,
0: like his attractiveness. So yeah. He yeah. like tries to like make his face something disgusting. And even like the, like he has like his mentor person, similar to like how like Leroy, uh, had his, his master. He has his mentor, which is and, Eugene
2: and his wife. Uh, yeah. These dudes, just, uh, they make sausage and soup and just talk about murder. Uh, it's so creepy. And there's like
1: a, so a little, there's like a small implication that she was like a, a victim who got like, away. Because she's so much
2: younger. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah. so much younger and and, and and maybe like, I wonder if it's because she clearly gets off on it too. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because she's and like the, offering advice and ideas.
1: There's a moment where the documentarian is like, so, you know, how, how does someone survive like being attacked by someone like you and they say you know don't hide we'll find you don't try to fight us you'll lose all you can do is run and don't look back And then his wife is like, yeah, I was real fast, but you caught me eventually or whatever. And he's like, I did catch you. (laughs) And
0: And it's all sexy and cute. And it's like, oh, yeah. And like they they even pick like a dude that's like kind of old and endearing. But then like you hear him talk about things in such a matter of fact way where he's like, so what do you think your first kill's going to be? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking one of her friends. And he's like, no, no, no too soon pick someone that's just kind of around her but she's like endeared to does she have someone she hangs out about and even his wife is like you said she goes to the library is she friends with a librarian yeah. and that so becomes helpful. the first helpful, target helpful. yeah 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 oh no oh god i love that moment
2: because like before that it's almost one of those things where It's like i love him i like you know, I support I support what he does. I wish it wasn't as dangerous. And then that's the moment where it's like, oh, no, you're like an active participant. Because she literally is like, oh, there's a librarian that she hangs out with that lets her
0: hang out after hours that she's bonded with. Kill that bitch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: and, like, I also really love that scene um, because, like, the movie, whenever it's, like, in its handheld documentarian state, whenever you're the voyeur, Full does a really... Yeah. When, like whenever you're just like watching, it does a really good job of like sharing the same excitement you do with the characters on screen for like recognizing tropes because yes. um, they get just as excited when things click incorrectly. And so you have that first scene where he cl- kills a librarian where he like uh, made a fake article and uh, that she would find about like being tied to the murder of his mother um, and his like being killed as well. But in the middle of it, He kills a librarian, runs off, and then in bursts this man who's been, like, hunting him and tries to kill him. And he flips out. He's so happy. Mm. And his mentor is so happy because they're like, we have an Ahab. And they're like, what's an Ahab? And it's like, it's that person. It's the Dr. Loomis. Yeah, it's It's, Dr. Loomis. It's Dr. Loomis. And the Ahab is played brilliantly.
1: Yes, by Robert England. Oh, He's doing He's so
0: England. good. He's doing so. I'm flipping out. Robert England. We do not give enough credit for for being a great goddamn actor. We yes. know him as Freddie, but we forget that that man is a fucking actor. He can act, and his Doctor Loomis is perfect because yes. it's self aware enough that he never does the wink, wink, nod, nod for a nope, second. He does Because the Doctor Loomis never is. There's a Doctor Loomis in the guest, which is played by um, God damn it, I forget his name, but like. He's the only person in the movie who's like playing it for. Everybody's like not doing the wink, wink, nod, nod, but he's like playing it for serious. Exactly. This is grave to him, and that's what like your Ahab, that's what your Loomis needs to be, and Robert England is
1: that. Yes, I feel like yeah, the the character is so intrinsically absurd mm-hmm. that if you mm-hmm. if you take you know uh, half a step away from like just dead serious like classically trained actor. It falls apart immediately because the character who's like, you know, I'm I'm an educated man. I'm a doctor. I'm a I'm a psychiatrist and I've dedicated my life. To hunting a serial killer with this pistol, <laughs> it's like it's like what? That was that was the best plan you could um, think of. That's Elijah, ridiculous.
2: He has that tie and I think a vest. So I don't know. What yeah, else that's he would true. Want. He's got a big Van Helsing collar.
1: He's pretty trustworthy. He does have
0: that big Van Helsing collar. Oh boy, in the two thousands, yeah, he did. In the two thousands, and everything is the most like grave situation to him, to where it, like he this is so much his choice uh which i loved which is every dr loomis has this weird like i exist to hunt you relationship with uh mm-hmm. whoever it may be um, it's very yeah
1: like ahab and the white whale where it's like
0: i exist for you and it wasn't even line; he didn't have dialogue when he's like killed by leslie but he reaches forward and touches his face as he slides down yes which is such a brilliant choice of yes. just like you've bested me uh, that I loved My nemesis. so much. It's I so god good. damn Robert England is just incredible fucking actor.
2: Really good at acting, just really like not. I mean, obviously, obviously funny and hilarious and great comic timing. Like no one would argue that. But like, yeah, I would love to see that dude in like Shakespeare. I think it would be. Yes, really I'd like to see him do Tybalt. I think he could kill it as Tybalt. He's not a child Mm. anymore. (laughs) Maybe pitch his voice up and do cartoon Tybalt.
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I feel like he could take any of the roles that like Sir Ian McKellen uh, or like any of these like these like they're always going to be him or Patrick Stewart type roles. Robert England could very easily like jump into that and kill it. And also anybody can get Robert England. Why the fuck isn't everyone trying to get Robert yes. England? He will do Googling anything right
2: now to make sure he's not dead.
0: Um, right. No he's, no, he's not. Um, he was in a absolutely, he was the best part of this garbage movie that involved the CGI tattoo, uh, as the villain called heart stoppers. um, <sighs> Got
2: it out of Blockbuster when Robert
1: I was a kid. Eng- uh, like, he's so good. Come on, y'all. Don't do this also, to this man. Also, as a side note, uh, I have heard nothing but, like, wonderful things from everyone I know that's, like, worked Same. with him or met him. Uh, I have, like, a friend who's an artist, an illustrator, who uh, had done, like, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street piece. And, like, Robert England like saw it and reached out and, like, gave him his number and was just like, man, it's it's so great to, like, talk to people about horror. Like, reach out if you ever want to chat. And he was like, I can't just call Robert England. What the fuck am I going to do with this? But, like, right. Okay. I, uh, Shut up. I, That's
2: amazing.
1: Right. I, I had no uh, direct interaction, but we were once uh, both in the same, like, audience at a movie theater, and it was, for the film, A Ghost Story, uh, which I don't know if you've seen A Ghost Story, but it's uh, really really emotionally devastating film that's all just uh, from the perspective of a ghost haunting a house uh, over the course of like decades. And it's just like, it's not a horror film at all. It's just this sad meditation on like loss and, you know, uh, grief and kind of like what happens next. Uh, And just like this ghost's like anger at, uh, you know, not having a sense of self. Uh, But really really emotionally devastating film i didn't know any of that i was like yeah it's a ghost movie it's haunted house and uh was <laughs> like not yeah i was not at all prepared for it uh and uh, you know i've, I've lost uh, some folks in my life and like meditations on grief are deeply affecting to me so i was just a train wreck i was like sobbing by the end of the film wow. and i like walk out and i'm sobbing and i look up and i'm like is that fucking robert england and he's like 10 feet away having like leaving the film by himself also crying and i was like <laughs> that's it's Robert England. He gets it. <laughs> I was just like, he fucking gets it. <laughs>
0: That's
2: fucking
1: great. Wow. So good.
0: And, like, I love that so many of these dudes that when you meet them are just, like, real cuddle bears in person. Which, like, makes some of, like, the subversion moments all the more creepy. Because they'll be like, ha, 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 he's sweet and cuddly and inviting. But also, like, he's retired. From what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: from 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 being his own like slasher and like it's such a i love when things are made by fans like last dragon or like leslie vernon um because even those moments where you're like oh they're forgetting this the movie's quick to be like no i'm not um because there's a lot of that in last dragon where it's just like oh you know this moment still needs to happen in like a kung fu film and they're like no 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 it came in a way that you weren't expecting. Yeah, it's
2: coming. Yeah.
0: It's coming. For me, what that was in Leslie Vernon. Because I told Elijah, I would watched the movie before, but I had actually fallen asleep at the midway point. Because it was a movie that I liked, but I was like exhausted the first time I saw it. Well, yeah, and so it's this- also
2: like, it, it's it's not a slasher movie for the first like hour of it. It's very yeah. much yeah. like a very, it's not, I don't say slow in a bad way, but it's definitely a different kind of movie. And it's not like a heart pumping movie. It's like a... Uh, like a like a look into the life of a person. Like it's a, yeah. it's, it has a different energy.
0: It's a documentary for the first half that without really like telling you, I mean, while also telling you, right. is setting the building blocks for the second half. Um, so that once it just like does a little flick of the domino, puts everything into motion. And like the whole time I was like, setting up Kelly as the final girl, I'm like, they're not really giving the final girl as much like, like characterization as I'd like. Right. The whole time I'm like, you know, Kelly is very one note. Uh Kelly is very like, she's a virgin and she's a good girl. And, you know Freakishly like, tall. Freakishly very tall. And tall. like very like picked out the way most people think final girls are picked out, unlike, you know, your pulpy slashers. Not really the way that you'd think about it. Like when you get like a Lori or a Nancy, where like so mm-hmm. much of like uh, who they are is set up, and what makes them like a lasting slasher movie. Um, you know, she's like your pieces, girls. In terms of like, I barely remember yes. their names. Yeah, and then. When you're like, all right, so I guess we're not, like, paying that much attention to, like, the final girl type and the heroine type. They flip it on you and yep. show that the documentarian is a virgin and she's
1: yeah. the actual
0: target. Which, and she's, like, plucky and determined and nosy and, like, all of those yeah. things she's like, been all, to be. She's
2: been doing all the Nancy Drew stuff that a final girl should be doing the entire yeah. movie. And what? they do do a good job of, like, hiding it from you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she like she even has the moments where she, you know, has the interactions with the Ahab character and like is learning about, you know, the the real Leslie, whose name is not Leslie Vernon, but Leslie Mancuso. And you find out that he's just like found a story about a boy who was like tragic, like had a tragic upbringing and was murdered. And he's like, oh, yeah, like all that's my myth. That's my legend. I'm that character who's returned. Uh, and creates a mask because the kid died in a in icy water. He was thrown over a waterfall. So he has a mask that's like a pale blue face that's kind of like swollen. Uh, but yeah, you, you find out that he's just like some fucking dude from Reno, Nevada, who decided to be a serial killer and like created this mythology for him. And so you get the documentarian like basically, you know, the, similar to Kelly finding the article in the library that's a red herring. Mm. You get her being like, wait, like... You're just some guy named Leslie Mancuso. Like she's unraveling this mystery at the same pace. Yep. I, I really love it. Like it's a film that's great on a rewatch because there's so many like little clues kind of setting up that, you know, the sort of twist, which, again, feels inevitable. It's like, obviously, this documentary crew is, is going to die, right? Like there's yeah. no way they, they're going to just like no. film him murdering and that's it. Uh, but I, I love it because there's like a moment, uh, when he's taking her to meet, you know, his, his mentor, his kind of sensei. And the guy kind of stops and like, looks at Leslie and is like, is it okay to talk about this? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. And I, I feel like the sort of unspoken thing in that moment is like, Oh, like it won't get out. Like they're, they're all going to die. Like
2: an important thing is it feels a little modern ish. Um, but also, you have to remember that it's in 2007, so it's not like they're uploading all of this to the cloud, like right, it's not right. like any of this stuff where it's like, oh, well, they might have already been showing clips of this in their IG, like none of like a lot of the social media like constrate constraints like don't. That's not I keep saying a word. That's not the word that I mean. A lot of the social <laughs> media stuff does not exist. Um, and because it feels slightly more modern than like something in this in the 90s, we forget about it. But when you put yourself in that place, it's like, oh yeah, he can get away with this because like where they're they're probably actually like shooting to film. Like they're or if yeah, they're doing yeah. digital, it's like on memory cards that they have that they probably haven't uploaded anywhere yet because it's a lot of, like, room and space. They just have a bunch of memory cards somewhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She even said, like, I still need to edit this. Like, it's just existing on space right now. And, like, there's so many moments where you're like, okay, I guess they, like, build a sense of, like, trust or camaraderie with each other that when it's flipped, you're like oh and now i got the relationship and the back and forth so it makes those moments where like he's like oh and then she becomes like a woman that's like hellbent on revenge so fucking justified and it like it it tricked you into taking the bait and it does like that thing that i love that horror does which is makes you feel like the victim but it does it twice (laughs) uh where it's just like psych now this and when it switches to movie mode It does POV maybe better than like a lot of slasher things do because since you've been in handheld the whole time, the POV is so much more immersive than it was before. Because you went from like documentarian to like victim running through the trees, uh, that it is the most effective POV, uh, since like you know, Black Christmas, which was like the first to do it,
1: right? Right,
0: um, which kind of makes the tree that we have in the background work all the more perfect. (laughs) But yeah, I fucking. I, I love slashers and I'm so happy that I like finally got to finish this movie. Cause it just, it scratched that happy little itch in me that I think people that like watch the last dragon get of like, you like what I like. Yeah. No,
2: it is. That's absolutely what it is. It's like, if you don't see right away what these two movies are, once you put them together, it's like, Oh yeah, no, it's, you love the, you love the tropes of this movie. You love the way that this works. Mm. Um, and you love a movie that loves and appreciates the movies that you love, but shows it to you in a way that isn't just remember this, remember that, remember this, remembers that. It remixes it and it turns it on its head.
0: Yes, Sorry. absolutely.
1: That that was so much a description of Ready Player One that I just started giggling. <laughs> you just said, remember the book this? Just remember came that? out. Oh, that's right. There's oh, cool, a new one. Too. Yeah.
2: You ready Which to remember t- things? I, I don't it, want to be a dick. Writing I, books no. is
1: hard. Writing books <laughs> is hard. It just feels like uh, a sequel to Ready Player One uh releasing is very on brand for 2020. So that's that's what I'll <laughs> say there.
0: <laughs> what we have and what we need is memories, because outside isn't real. Outside's is not real, man. You guys just wanna
2: remember uh, uh, you wanna remember Care Bears, just uh read a book. Care yep. Bears.
0: Just hold me and tell me I'm twelve.
1: But this, uh, these are both films that that do that uh, much more successfully with, uh, you know, more uh, – yeah, re- both it, – it's that fine line of, like, reverence for the thing that influenced you while also right. telling a new story in that space mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in, in an effective way. And uh, I something that I love, like, just in, in terms of, like, small kind of points of overlap between the films is they both uh, take heroes from, you know, previous films in that genre – and contextualize a universe in which, like, yeah, everyone's familiar with them, everyone knows them, yeah. uh, both in like, you know, he's he's watching Bruce Lee films, but also his master being like, this belonged to Bruce Lee, implying that like, you know, in this universe, it's accepted that like, oh yeah, he's also the greatest like mystical kung fu master, and he had the glow, and yeah, you similarly have, you know, Freddie and, also, and Jason, at movies. yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: and yeah, this is and yeah, this is another universe where they're like, yeah, no, Freddie and Jason existed, and they were banger at killing
1: yes yeah. and you you have a uh, you know the the opening kind of montage that like shows all of the houses from like elm street and halloween and stuff
0: and kane hotter at elm street
1: yeah kane hotter has a little cameo roles. so the dude who played uh jason in friday the 13th oh, and
0: zelda's also in
1: yeah this is, zelda this was,
2: this was zelda's uh, last role um was, was it yeah. was it really
1: yeah, yeah oh, i wow. think it's
0: credited as her last role Was i
1: didn't realize movie.
0: Which I kind of am touched by because it was like a role that was very much like we know why we have Zelda yeah. Rubenstein.
1: It's such yeah. a love letter yeah. to like the character that she plays. It's her playing the like kind Scary of wise exposition. Yeah, the wise and, also, and spooky. I
2: mean, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, uh, Zelda's my Zelda for Teen Witch. Uh, teen Witch oh, is okay. my Zelda.
0: So I mean, I know Poltergeist, but also right,
1: right.
2: Teen, teen,
1: teen, teen witch. there you go see you go. my
0: zelda is uh scariest places on earth marathon on abc family when there i was a is. child <laughs> and uh that's that's my puzzle piece where she'd be like this house is haunted here's why i have a really bad zelda impression um <laughs> no but, one can uh, get it because it's like gravelly but high it's so
1: high pitched and so gravelly it's yeah. like if
0: moaning myrtle had like 40 packs a day oh <sighs> Just a perfect woman. Just a perfect woman. And honestly, like, the fact that both of these films are by fans for fans is why I'm calling this double feature the Hero Worship Double Feature. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Mwah. Chef's kiss. And do we all think it works? Would we go
2: see this if we saw it on a billing? I think I would need someone to contextualize it for me. One like, mm-hmm. like, if you saw the billing, because I think a lot of people don't know enough, because Dr- Last Dragon people know... Yeah. But I think that they write it off. And then I think with Behind the Mask, it's a movie that not a lot of people know. I think that if there was someone who, like, instead of just saying this is a double feature of this, if you actually had someone say, like, look, um, these are the reasons why I picked this, and I think that this would be really interesting for you. Because I don't think it's giving anything away to say that they both play with tropes. Like, yeah. hey, look, like I think if you went to TVTropes.org, and you said hey we're doing a tropathon and these are the first two movies that we're going to compare where it's like hey you want to watch a slasher and you want to watch um, you know a kung fu like a fighting movie like put these two together and this is what we're doing trope bingo i think Ooh. you have something
1: yeah how about yeah. we
0: call this the trope ping- bingo double feature
1: that is pretty fun i like trope yeah.
0: bingo because then that also makes it uh gives me a reason to create a game for viewers <laughs> and That's don't true.
2: viewers i'm sorry they do love games like we have like a we have boards for each like a different board for the kung fu trope and a yeah it's actually a bingo and i think that you could get a lot of people who would be very i mean they'd be nerds look th- this is we we all know We all know that this is right now. This is a Zoom. This is a Zoom hang for twenty people, or this is an Alamo weird Wednesday.
1: Yes, no, exactly. Don't
2: you want to go to that weird Wednesday? I do.
1: You do. Yeah. See, and I I guess uh, anytime I'm picturing these happening as double features, like if they were programmed in an actual theater, uh, I'm imagining the person coming up and introducing them, which is a very like you know Alamo thing. Uh, I, I used to, yeah, host a monthly film series that was just like a martial arts film every month. And I'd come out and introduce it.
2: And then he'd be thrown.
1: And then I would be thrown by an expert at judo. That's
2: amazing. (laughs)
1: It was so fun. I got beaten up for entertainment <laughs> dude that's dope
2: i love wrestling come on you already know i love wrestling.
1: oh yes no it was, it was very fun we were uh we might still be but at the time we were definitely the only uh recurring film series at the alamo in which the hosts had to sign safety waivers because like hosting the film for our series was considered dangerous uh, oh my god i do I definitely got, like, banged up a bit. I got choked unconscious for one of them. <laughs> it was it's very fun. Uh But, yes, yeah, so I'm always picturing, like, coming out and introducing and being like, these two films for this reason. And,
0: and then think, we pass out the bingo cards. Yeah, and then we pass out the bingo cards. I have a big bingo cards for this one.
1: We should. We should make them.
0: All right. So what is our concession snack for a trope bingo double feature? I've been thinking about this one. Uh I feel like... We can't, we've had pizza three times, which makes it difficult we've because Green's Pizza. We've had pizza three times? We've had a pizza. form of pizza several wow. times. Because um, I remember we had it for, I know for sure for the uh, I'm walking here double feature. Oh, right, right. For the uh, New York um, one.
2: I think we have to do, I think we have to go full tropes on both. Well, for I mean, look, we definitely have to have a candy apple, right?
1: Yes. Oh, shit. We have yeah. To candy
2: apples or candy apple lollipops, if it's because that then also like Halloween plus yeah, apples. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, what if it's a, a candy apple, but you eat it with chopsticks?
2: <laughs> uh, well, no, no. I think that's beautiful because, okay, okay. Hear me out. You have a thing of popcorn you eat with chopsticks, and then you have yep. a
0: candy apple that's sliced.
1: Oh, and then you eat it with chopsticks. yeah, yeah. That's oh, perfect. God. I love it. Oh. There
0: it is. That's the perfect uh, snack for this. And then at the end, the pop, the uh, chopsticks double as a weapon.
1: <laughs> perfect. Yes,
0: at the end of it, you
2: take off part of It's actually they're both sheathed and then yeah. it's just weapons. <laughs> and then it's dangerous. Uh, uh, and, and you I, finish it off with a mint that's shaped like a bullet.
1: <laughs> the bullet mint. After dinner, bullet mint. I'm
0: so, I, I'm so specifically excited for this concession, because first of all, it's the one where most of it is edible. Um, That's true. But also, it's our second one in which it also comes with a weapon. Um, so we probably have to have a waiver for this double feature as yes. well. Um, but I... Truly love that this one came built in with the game and that our guest brilliantly devised it. <laughs>
1: perfect. Perfect.
0: So thank you so much for being here. This episode was but a you people goddamn normally blast.
2: Do they not normally get the game? Like I felt like the game was pretty obvious. I don't know. Maybe I'm smart, I, you guys. Maybe
1: just you're being, so smart. No, I, I do feel like uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the pairings are, you know, we, we pick the film and then the guest like talks about it and is like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, li- I like the movie. It's really fun. And then there's like a, a sort of pause where I am then like, and here's why they worked, and I make like an impassioned plea, and they're like, oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Like a lot of them feel like sort of disparate reaches that are me like, no, no, I promise. If you look at these parts and these moments, it works. And then by <laughs> by the end, they're usually convinced. I love that you were immediately like, oh yeah, no, this made sense. Like these two, <laughs> these two work together. It's perfect. Yeah, Is that's
2: it? why it's it's all yeah. it's trope fest '99 man. Yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, you were amazing. I'd love to have you Thank on you to talk about literally me. anything it's you so want. so
2: much fun. <laughs> I'm literally going to. Um, remember I said I do that thing where I have some kind of dating. Uh, watch mm-hmm. the Last Dragon. Yeah, I'm doing that in like an hour and a half. Oh, yes.
1: yes. Let us let us know how it goes. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Very excited. Um,
0: I mean, know if they pass. If they pass the dragon test. I think they will. Oh, that's exciting. That's very exciting. Um, So where can folks find you if they want to get into the Danielle Radford business? Oh,
2: geez. Uh, you can find me. Oh, I, I immediately go Midwest. You hear that noise? Um, oh, geez. Can, oh, geez. Oh, uh, geez. I did live in Indiana for a while. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just find me on Twitter, Danielle Radford. Um, I tend to put things I'm working on that I'm proud of there. You can find me on Insta, Danielle underscore Radford. I put some things on there as well um i feel like those are the two biggest ones eventually i'll probably do something with my
0: tiktok but not now so bye now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find the pod itself under kick scream pod where you can interact with our amazing producer sam or one of us um we usually upload uh in addition to like Clips of the show. We also have fun little extras like Elijah getting punched in the chest by Dolph Lundgren. So tune in for more what? of that. Um, Elijah collects punches.
1: That's true. I So anytime I meet uh, like an action celebrity, I ask them to punch me. And so I have like a pretty strong collection of punches. Uh, actually, uh, Time Star of Last Dragon is one that I, I missed and I regret to this day, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine was like, uh, programming a a screening of the Last Dragon in which Time Ock came out and did a Q and A and stuff. And he knew that I was like a a fighter and he knew about like, you know, the film series where I got thrown and like collecting punches, all that. So he hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, put together like some extra stuff for this Q and A to like, you know, make it more of an event. Uh, he's like, would you want to come out and like do something with Timok? Like, you know, you could get punched. He's like, or maybe he's like, if I can talk him into it, maybe you guys do some sparring. He's like, maybe you just like put on a little exhibition. And I was so pumped. And then I was devastatingly sick and had to cancel. <sighs> I had like horrifying food poisoning. Oh, and I was like, oh, I'm really so sad. I know, and I really tried to, like, work myself up for it, and then I imagined, like, going out, getting punched, and immediately throwing up, and I was like, that's not fun. Yeah, imagine hitting a
0: dude, and he just releases his bowels. Don't do that. Oh, Well, we'll make this happen.
1: We'll make it happen. Yeah.
0: We'll make it happen. So, Elijah, where can people go to find videos of you being punched? I'm uh, watching I mean, some right now and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, Elijah getting uh, hit
1: by Dolph. You can uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Elijah underscore Pizza uh, because Ernie Reyes Jr. in Turtles Two was my hero. <laughs>
2: I'm so happy I got to tell you about that. You didn't
0: know it before I said that anything. Was,
1: that was the most exciting. Uh, that was a highlight of my day. I'm so pumped. Beautiful
0: little bit of information. And yeah, in general, just tag people that you think should punch Elijah. I'm always down for that. Yes. Uh, and uh, you can find me under at Ness Gritton on everything uh, and Thursdays on twitch.tv slash fandom tabletop because uh, I'm playing Roland Keep and I'm playing a real bizarre fucking character uh, who I love the shit out of and uh, already her Uh, African grey parrot sidekick is getting more attention than her which is what it's how (laughs) that should go Um, and as always uh, support your local movie theaters because they are uh, struggling right now so if you can get shirts virtual screenings gift cards whatever it may be and again i've said this before if you make a straight up donation to a local small movie theater i'll match it uh because i want to be able to watch movies when i get back and i want to be able to watch them in a theater uh that you know is small and rad instead of maybe one that i worked for when i was 16 years old that i might still have a class (laughs) action lawsuit against uh but as always we love you bye Bye! Bye.